right. Man, what a great day already. Amen. Woo! Good stuff. Well, listen, uh, man, we're glad you guys are here. And uh, we kicked off a new series last week talking about how Jesus needs to be the focus of everything. Really, and John is the one that kind of set it up. John the Baptist, as we were kind of unpacking some scripture last week. And he was saying that he must decrease and that Jesus must increase, right? And, and so really whenever we gather and we worship, and that's what we're doing, we're making much about Jesus. And really today, you know, I want us to kind of unpack what that statement means. What does it mean to make much about Jesus? And so we're glad you guys are here. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here and a part of the service as well. And so today I want us to kind of think about what does that mean? Because when we sing songs and even here, at, you know, at the church, we talk about as a staff, you know, we want to make much of Jesus. I had someone text me this morning, a, a local pastor who said, hey, man, I'm praying for you guys today. And I said, hey, man, we're praying for y'all. I said, man, praying for you as you make much of Jesus. And so what does that what does that mean? And how do we live that out? And what does that look like? And so I want us to kind of dig into that today. And, and that's where we are. So he, he must become greater. I must become less. Making much of Jesus. What does that look like? And so this passage is what we started with last week. So I want to go back and grab some of the things that we kind of started with last week. And this was one out of Psalms that I love. It says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. And so he is worthy of all praise. So everything that we do. And so if we make much of Jesus... He's worthy of that, right? I mean, he's worthy of our time, our affections. He's worthy of our attention. You know, he's worthy of attention to detail. That's why we talk about around here as a staff. We say, you know, God is honored in excellence, so we strive for excellence. We know that we can't be perfect, but we know that we can bring the very best that we have, and we want to honor God with that. So great is the Lord, and he is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. You know, there's a lot of boxers and there's a lot of athletes that like to say that they're the greatest of all time but here's the thing none of them compare when it comes to god right and they may think they're the greatest at some sport but here's the thing there's only one true great god let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts let them proclaim your power and so moms dads grandparents you know our aunts and uncles it is our job to do everything we can to make much about christ to make make him known to the world especially to our children and to our families, doing everything we can to help them understand how do you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And so John the Baptist exalts Jesus. This is the passage that we read last week. And he's, he does an incredible job of pointing to Christ. His disciples are kind of bothered by the, you know, the drawing that Jesus is getting and the attention that he's getting and, and maybe pulling some people away. And, but John does an incredible job in this passage of just pointing towards Christ. And so, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah. In other words, John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He identified him. You know, he pointed it out to them. And, and he had already said, hey, listen, he's, he, he's so incredible, I'm unworthy to even untie his sandals. You know, and we talked about last week how Jesus would literally come to John and ask him to baptize him. And that's why it just kind of rocked John. And John's like, wait, wait, I told people I can't even untie your sandals. And so that he's pointed out, hey, he is the Messiah. But he, they say he's also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. And I don't know about you guys, but it reminds me of the whiners on Saturday Night Live. You know what I'm saying? Anybody remember them? I want to sit over there, you know, whatever, you know, just, you know, man, you know, these guys are whining and people have a tendency to do that sometimes when things don't go their way, right? We all do. We whine, we complain, and these guys are doing that, and, and they're probably great guys. They're probably great guys. John replied, no one can receive anything 
unless God gives it from heaven. So that's something I think all believers probably need to get their mind around as well. You know, the Bible says that, that God reigns on the just and the unjust. We often wonder, hey, well, why would God bless these people? Why would God give these people this? It's God. He's God. We're not. And so you yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. So here, you know, John is saying, hey, listen, man, I was as clear as I knew how to be with you guys. I plainly told you. I plainly told you I'm not the Messiah. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about the Messiah. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And so John is telling his disciples, hey, guys, man, I'm, I'm thrilled that Jesus is the focus now. I'm excited about what is happening, you know, and that my preaching is being fulfilled is what he's saying. What I have been proclaiming is happening. And he's going, man, that's a good thing. And he's telling them who are his disciples, you know, they're, they're, they're his students, if you will. They're following him as a teacher. And he said, hey, listen, man, this is a good thing. This is a God thing. This is a kingdom thing. And he's pointing back to Jesus. And so this, this is beautiful. And he's wanting them to know, hey, man, I'm filled with joy because of his success. Verse 30 here, it says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And so John makes it very clear that, man, I must decrease. I must, it must be less and less about me. I've done my job. I have been here to serve, and it's now everything is about the Messiah. It's about the kingdom of God. And so for many of us in this room, we could, we could learn a lot from John right here. If we would say, you know what, God, I've been living my whole life for me. It's all about me. It's what I want when I want it. You know, it's what I want to accomplish. It's my measurements of success. And, and I really want it to be about the kingdom. I really want it to be about Jesus. I really want it to point towards Christ. And, and I want it to be where I'm, I'm a good ambassador for Christ. I really want it to be those things. And so that really should be something that we could learn from John in this passage here. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We're, uh, we're of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. And so John is saying, man, there's nothing greater than Christ. There's nothing greater than Jesus. And anybody who tries to put themselves on a pedestal, including you or me, man, that's the wrong place to go. That's idolatry. You know, and so what we've got to be willing to go, you know what? Jesus is the focus. And that's what John is saying. Hey, listen, there's nobody greater. There's nothing greater than Christ. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. He's, John is saying, hey, listen, man, you got to understand, Jesus left heaven to come here, to show us the way, to pay our debt, to pay our sin debt, to pay for our sins. You know, we all have sinned. Every one of us has fallen short. We've missed God's glorious standard by a mile. We have blown it. Everyone in this room, myself included. And we would never qualify, never qualify based on any good deeds that we do or anything like that. But Jesus knew that. And so Jesus left heaven, came here to literally pay for our sin debt, to hang on a cross between heaven and hell for your sins, for your lies, for your cheating, your stealing, your jealousy, whatever it might be. He died for that. And he offers to you and he offers to me salvation as a gift by putting our faith in him. And so what John is saying, listen, man, there's nobody greater. Who else could do that? Nobody could. There was nobody that could. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. Anyone who receives Christ receives the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, what he's saying, hey, listen, man, you know that it's true. And anybody that has ever been truly saved, you know that God is truth. You know that his, his word is truth. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. Don't you love that? So here's Jesus who was God in flesh, who literally took on the wrapped in humanity. 
Whenever he speaks, he speaks the words of God. He speaks truth. So he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. In other words, there's nothing that Jesus can't do. There's no, there's no disease that he can't heal. There's no you know, blindness. He can heal that. He does that. We see it in the scriptures. He can tell the lame to stand up and walk. I mean, he can do anything that he wants to do. He has the authority and the power, and there's nothing, no limitation there. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. I love that passage right there, that last statement there. The father loves his son. And so here's the thing. We should love the son as well. And it says that he has put everything into his hands. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think about, you know, Jesus' hands, I think about the nail scars. Now, some of you might go, well, you know, Mike, you know, he's already been, you know, restored and he's, he's made new. You know, he's already been resurrected and all this stuff. And, and he's already sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I get that. But for me, and maybe I'm kind of like the disciples, you know, I'd, maybe I'd have been like Thomas. Like, hey, can I see your hands? I want to see the nail scars in your hands. And, and so whenever I think about Jesus' hands, I think about nail scarred hands. But look at what it says. It says, the Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. You know, and we give a we give an invitation every Sunday, and uh, and I invite many of you uh, to come and and maybe there's things you just need to leave at the altar. You know, maybe there's something you've been battling. Maybe it's a it's something you've been toting around. Maybe it's a burden. You know, maybe it's a sin you need to confess. Maybe I don't know what it might be, but I always give I try to give everyone a, an opportunity to respond. And I'm telling you, there's something about marking a moment. There's something about going down to an altar and leaving something on that altar. And maybe putting it in Jesus' hands. And, and if, the, if the Father has said, hey, listen, everything's in His hands. And God, the Father, can say, hey, listen, I can trust Him with anything. Then we should trust it to be willing to say, hey, listen, I'm leaving it in Jesus' hands. Maybe it's finances. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a medical issue. Maybe it's your children. So you know what? I trust you, Jesus. Because I believe that not only can you save me, but you can redeem me, you can use me, you can do whatever. And maybe you say, you know what, God, I just want to give you my life. I give you everything. I surrender everything to you. And I, I want to put my life in your hands. I trust you because I've made a mess of it up until this point. And so when I read that passage, that's what pops into my mind. And, and I know sometimes we're going, you know, man, I don't know if I can go down there. You know, everybody might look at me and think something's wrong. Everybody in this room's got something wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're all messed up. And so you got to be willing to say, you know, God, I trust you. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. What a great promise. That if we, we believe in who Jesus is and we believe that he went to the cross and that he died on that cross for my sins and for your sins and that he was laid in a borrowed tomb and he was resurrected by the spirit of God and by the power of God on that third day. And we celebrated his Easter and we know that tomb is empty and we know and we believe without a shadow of a doubt that he conquered death and he conquered the grave and he conquered sin. We believe all that. It says that we will have eternal life and anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. He wins everything, especially in the end. So John is clear. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. So looking back at the passage we read last week, John is very clear. He goes, you know what? Jesus must increase and I must decrease. It needs to be less and less of me, less and less about me and more and more about Christ. And so I want us to look at a uh, a couple of passages today as we talk about making much of Jesus. And, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you on the front end, we're reading a lot of scripture today, which is a good thing because Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We look in John chapter one and we see that, you know, what John says, he was there in the beginning. So Jesus 
is the word that became flesh and dwells among us. And so let's take a look at John chapter one here. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. So in the beginning of the word already existed. So who is that? That's Jesus, right? You might say, well, the Bible is Jesus, you know, in flesh. And so in the beginning, the word already existed. So the word was with God and the word was God. And he existed in the beginning with God. So Jesus has been there from the creation of, of everything that we know. Everything that we see has been spoken to existence. And Jesus was right there in the mix. So the Trinity is not something new. It is something that's been established from the beginning. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. His, 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 his word, his life brought light into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. How, how, how about that? It can never be extinguished. It can never be extinguished. I mean, it's not, it's like, I mean, Jesus, we read the end of the Bible. If you've never read it, we win. Jesus conquers everything that you feel like, you know what? Hey, man, we're losing this battle. No, no, no. Jesus wins. All we have to do is look at the end. So God sent a man, John the Baptist. So here's John the Baptist we've been talking about. He says, John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. So even John is testifying about who Jesus is. He is the light of the world. And he's telling his disciples, hey, he got, he's the light of the world. I must decrease. He must increase. It's all about Christ. It's about making much of Jesus. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. And see, here's the thing. That's what we need to understand. John is testifying about Christ. He's pointing people to Jesus. And every one of us that's a believer, that is our job, our task, our responsibility, is to do everything we can to point people towards Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what John was doing. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John's preparing the way. Remember, the Bible talks about it, even in the Old Testament. And that's what I love. The, the whole Bible points to Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing to one that would come, the Messiah, the promised one, the Redeemer. So we see that the Old Testament is pointing to it. It even points to John. It says, hey, there'll be one that is a voice calling out, crying out in the wilderness. And he'll make the way path. He'll make the path straight, pointing towards Christ. And so we see that in, in the Old Testament. And so here's, a, here's another statement. No other name like Jesus. We need to get our mind around that. So how do we make much of Jesus? Number one, we just, the name. The name, there's something about that name. You know, we sing songs about it. And, and, and hopefully we don't take his name in vain. The scriptures tell us not to do that, that it's that important. And so there's authority in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. You we got through singing songs while ago about Jesus. And so no other name like Jesus. And so Peter, before the council, you know, is being... He's, he's being pretty much uh, tried, if you will, in front of this council because he has healed a man and they're wanting him not to talk about Jesus anymore. He says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. That's Old Testament pointing towards Christ again. And so there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so what Peter is saying, hey, listen, we've got to look to Jesus. Just even in the name, there's authority in that name. And so the, the leaders of, that are, have Peter and, the, you know, and these guys in there and they're, they're trying them and they're saying, hey, listen, all right, well, when you leave here, we're going to let you leave. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter's like, are you kidding me? Is it better to obey God or to obey men, you? And he says, man, we can't stop talking about Jesus. We can't stop talking about this name. We can't stop talking about what he did. 
We can't stop talking about the cross. We can't stop talking about the resurrection. We cannot stop and we're not going to stop. And I think about it, this is the same Peter who had denied Christ three times, right? You know, somebody was like, hey, listen, aren't you one of his followers? No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And it kind of went on. And some little girl points him out and, he, and it says he curses. And so he's like, I don't know that blankety blank or whatever. And so here he is denying Christ. And of course, the cock crows and Jesus and Peter make eye contact. And you can only imagine how Peter felt. But yet now he stands before, you know, this religious council. And he said, listen, man, I can't stop talking about Jesus. And I'm not going to stop talking about him. And he's going, hey, listen, I've got to tell everyone I know what Jesus can do and how he can heal and how he can set us free and that he is the way. And so this is an incredible transformation that's taking place in Peter and all the disciples, to be honest with you. They were cowering in a room, but yet Jesus comes back. They realize the power of the resurrection. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, they are out in boldness proclaiming the name of Jesus. Here's another one. Jesus gives us victory over sin and death. That's another reason we ought to make much about Christ. That we ought to make much about you. He gives us victory. You know, we, we go through life too often feeling defeated and beat down. And hopefully you're not here today and feeling that way if you're a believer. But you know that, you know what, you have victory through Christ. And, and he has conquered death, sin, and the grave. And man, he has given me eternal life. I, I, I've received that gift of eternal life by faith. And so hopefully today, if you came in here beat down and maybe maybe kind of having a rough day, you go, you know what, man, I, I'm walking in victory today. And maybe those songs helped you remember what Christ has done. Maybe the reading of Scripture has helped you realize what Christ has done. And so therefore, you realize, you know what, I am victorious today. I am no longer defeated. I'm not going to walk in that defeat. And so that ought to give us all the more reason to make much about Christ. Death has swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? As a believer, as a follower of Christ, we should not fear death. But if anything, we ought to be dying to self daily. That's what the scripture we read last week said. That we are to take up our cross, bear it, and die to self, crucify the flesh. And so we should be dying to self and be okay with, hey, when I breathe my last breath, I'll be breathing my first breath of heaven. And I know that I'm in a right standing with God. And so death is not something I fear. It's something that I will pass through. You know, and here's the thing. Jesus has already defeated death. And so we shouldn't be walking in fear of that. For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so for every one of us in a room, man, that's a reason to make much about Christ, isn't it? Man, that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to continue to live in this sin. We don't have to continue to deal with this issue. But we can say, you know what? Through the power of Jesus Christ, through the name of Jesus Christ, the mighty name of Christ, I have been set free. And I have victory. And so I am no longer going to live a life of defeat. No matter what the lives may be. And let me just say this. Here's the thing. There's so many Christians, so many believers who live defeated lives because we don't believe what God's word says, but we do believe the enemy's lies. And we listen to the enemy's lies. And before you know it, we listen to that lie long enough. And we, we, we begin to create what is called a stronghold. And that stronghold is in our life. Here's God's truth that says, hey, you can be set free. But the enemy says, hey, no, you're trapped in this. You'll never get over the sin. It may be a besetting sin, you know, that you just can't seem to ever win. It always seems to overpower you. 
And what you're doing is you're focusing not on God's word, but you're focusing on what the enemy has told you. You'll never be set free. You'll never have victory. You'll never really experience all that God is talking about. And you go, I guess I'm just one of those that never gets there. And what we do is we believe the enemy over the truth of God's word. And we believe that lie and it becomes a stronghold. And we're constantly defeated by the enemy because we have chose to believe a lie rather than the truth of God's word. But here it says that we have we have victory, right? So I, I'm going to believe God's word. Here's another one. Jesus came to save us. I think most of us in the room, we believe that, we know that, or we hope that, right? But we look back in Scripture, and again, Scripture makes much about Christ. This is in John chapter 3. And most of us know this passage. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Those who believe in what He did, we believe that He was born as a baby, a virgin birth. We're fixing to celebrate that in just a few months as Christmas, the birth of Christ. We believe that, you know, that angels literally sang to shepherds on a hillside. We believe that. We believe that He would grow up and He would grow in wisdom and stature with both men and with the Father. And He would live a life that was without sin. He would go and he would begin to teach. He would begin to tell people the way to heaven, the way to a right relationship with the Father. And he would go to the cross and nothing would deter him. He was headed to the cross for you and for me, for my sins, for my lies, for my cheating or whatever it might be. And he was going there for every one of us. And nothing would deter him. Even his disciples. Remember Peter said, Lord, he, he wants to reprimand Jesus and say, listen, no, this will never be. And Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. This is what has to happen. Have you not been listening to me? He's kind of like John. Guys, I've plainly told you I've got to go and I've got to suffer. But in three days, I'll take care of business. And so whenever we we believe that with everything that's in us, man, we become a child of God. And so look at this. And I love this. So this is what Jesus did. He came to save us, to offer eternal life. But look at this. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Another reason we ought to make much about Christ. He didn't come to condemn me. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to put us down and belittle us and to embarrass us and to shame us. He came to redeem us. He came to save us. And can you get your mind around that? Man, that, man, that's why we ought to make much about Jesus. That we ought to talk to Him with our friends and with our family and with those that don't know Him. That we look for opportunities and we say, God, just show me how to share the hope that I have. Help me to share this great news. And, and I don't know if you've watched, like I said, The Chosen. But there's a scene there where Nicodemus and Jesus are talking. And Nicodemus cannot seem to get his mind around it. And he's trying to understand. And man, it's such a beautiful picture of it. And Jesus is explaining to him that that's why he came. And that we, we have to be born again. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've never been born again. Why not today? Why not today nail down your salvation? Why not today realize, you know what, that is what Jesus came for. And you know what, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. I surrender. Man, what better way to, to make much about Christ than to surrender your life to him and then to go public with baptism and let everybody know, you know what, man, that old man has died. He's been buried with Christ. He's been raised to newness of life. He's been filled with the Spirit of God. He's been sealed with the Spirit of God. And man, I want everybody to know that. Man, what better way... To make much of Christ and to put your faith in Him and to surrender your life to Him and then to go public with baptism and let everybody know He lives within you and then live your life in such a way that it is worship. And everywhere you go and everything you do, man, you're pointing towards Christ. That's making much of Jesus. 
So made right with God through Jesus Christ. That's another thing to be, to be celebrating. We just saw that through the cross. But look at this. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. So th- this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He said, man, if, 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 we, if we seem crazy, it is to bring glory to God. So here, let me just say this. There are times as Christians we ought to look a little crazy. The world ought to go, man, they are crazy about Jesus. Yes, we are. And, and they may think, man, they believe that a guy that died on a cross was put in a tomb, and, and then he was resurrected. Yes, we believe that. That's what I'm saying. They ought to go, you know what, man, they're a little bit crazy. But we're crazy in love with Jesus. And here's the thing, we believe. And if our belief system, if our beliefs will change how we live, they're going to say, you know what, but there's something different about them. And man, they seem to love people the way that Jesus did, and they seem to serve people the way that Jesus did, and they seem to care enough to be moved to action. When everyone else is just standing around. So maybe the world would say, you know what, man, they are crazy about Jesus. They love him. And they want to point people to him. And they're willing to forgive, which the world says, you don't forgive, you get even. But Jesus says to forgive as he has forgiven us. And so they are willing to forgive people that have hurt them so deeply. That's crazy. But, man, I want that kind of love. I want that kind of forgiveness. And so I love what Paul says. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And so hopefully every once in a while we look a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? And then if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. So they may say, this seems crazy. But if they think, hey, man, this seems like it's making sense. He goes, that's to your benefit as well. Either way, Christ's love controls us. I love that. We're controlled by the love of Christ. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. In other words, man, there's so many Christians that say, you know what, man, I want Jesus, but I want to keep doing everything else. And that's not what Jesus taught us. He said, you got to be willing to leave things behind, even your mom and dad or your family, if need be, to follow me. And we're like, well, I just want enough Jesus so I don't go to hell, or I want enough Jesus so I get into heaven. And that's not what he's saying. He said, listen, man, it's surrendering your life. It's giving everything up. And he'll give you more than you ever had and more than you could ever dream of gaining. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so, in other words, this passage here, here's Paul saying pretty much what John said. You know, it's, it's about me. And it's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want. It's not what I desire. It's about Christ. And it's the kingdom of God. And so maybe God wants me to go and be a great teacher in a school and live out my faith in such a way that, you know what, I not only teach kids how to read and write or whatever, but I teach them about Jesus by my life. Or maybe you go and you become a nurse where you care for people and you do it in Jesus' name. Or maybe you go and become a contractor and you do it in Jesus' name. Or maybe you go and become an engineer and you do that in Jesus' name. And you want to live a life that is a light in a dark world and that people go, you know what, man, this guy, he makes much about Jesus in everything that he does. That's what we ought to be doing. And so that's what Paul is pointing to. He says, man, it's, this is how we should live. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. I mean, and I think there are times that we as, you know, we as humans, we may, I can remember thinking, you know, well, Jesus, he was probably just a good teacher, a good guy. And I think there's a lot of people in this world that think that Jesus was just a good teacher and a good guy. He was kind, he was gracious, but they don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe he's the promised one. They just believe he's a good person. And I'm just telling you what, what Paul is saying here. He said, man, we used to think that way, 
But man, we think completely different now. You know, we don't think of him as just a good person, but we realize he is the Messiah. We realize he is the Son of God. We realize he is God in flesh. We realize that there's everything in his authority and in his hands. And so they changed the whole way they thought about him. And maybe God can change the way you think about him today. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I love that passage. It's on the back of every baptism t-shirt that we give people. You know, man, forever, forever changed is what it says. And it has that verse right there. And so if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So therefore, for me, man, we ought to be able to go through life going, you know what, man, I want to make much about Christ because he redeemed me from what I was, what, what I was and where I was going. He has saved me. He has set me apart. He is using me for his purposes and for his kingdom. And man, all the more reason I want to make much about Christ. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. It's, it's, it's a gift, guys. Hear what I'm saying? It's by faith alone. We can't earn it. We can, so many people want to, well, I'm going to get better and I'm going to fix a few things and I'm going to change a few things. If you could fix yourself, you would have already done it. You can't fix anybody else either. But what you can do is you can submit and you can surrender to who Christ is and he can change you from the inside out. He can give you a new heart. He can give you a new name. He can give you, he can give you a new direction. He can give you new everything if you'll just submit and surrender to who he is. But it's only through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people. And what Paul is saying, listen, he's given us this mission. He's given us this task, this ministry of reconciliation. So what we do is we, we go and we make much of Jesus and we point to him and we tell everybody, hey man, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the only way to a right relationship with the father. He says, so we have this ministry of reconciliation. Let me just say this. Every believer in this room and watching on there, every one of you guys have the same responsibility. And so do I to do everything I can to reach as many as I can with the message of the gospel. And it's God who will redeem them. But I have part of that, a part in that ministry of reconciliation for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Isn't that good news that God wants to reconcile with you? No matter what you've done, he wants to reconcile with you. He wants to have a right relationship with you. He's been chasing after you. He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. And for some of you, you've actually been running from him and you're afraid that he won't accept you. And it's because of what Christ did that he will accept you. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And so that, that statement that says we're Christ's ambassadors is kind of like a, you know, our nation. Whenever we send someone over to another country to represent us, they are an ambassador for the United Nations or for the United States. They go and they represent us there. Now, they don't always represent us well, but they send, they, we send them over to represent us. And so here's the thing. We don't always represent Christ well as believers, but we should. And so everywhere we go, how we live, how we treat people, how we talk, how we speak, how we, how we serve, how we give, whenever there's a need, all those things, we're an ambassador of Christ. We're a representation of him. And what we're to do is to where hopefully people, whenever they see us, they go, you know what? There's some, there's something good about Christ because I can see it in this person. And hopefully when people see you, they see Jesus in you. But we're, we're pleading with people to come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with Christ, right with God through Christ. He's the only way. Jesus is the only way. 
I remember years ago, I was watching uh, Oprah Winfrey one day because there was a Christian singer on there that they were interviewing. And I was just curious how that was going to go. And anyway, so the guy that they were, she was interviewing, she was talking to him. And anyway, he said something uh, along the lines, talking about Christ and talking about Jesus. And, and anyway, she said, well, I don't really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, she goes, I believe there's lots of roads to heaven. It's called a universalist mentality. In other words, they believe there's all kinds of roads that lead to heaven. And uh, the guy, you know, because of where, his position and where he was at, he didn't really disagree a whole lot with her. But, man, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, here's this woman has an incredible platform. And she's preaching heresy pretty much, you know, just false teaching. But here's the thing that we often see. There's a lot of people that often think, well, you know, there's lots of roads to heaven. No. Jesus said this right here. Jesus told him, he's talking to the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The most exclusive statement in Scripture is probably right there. Where Jesus said there's only one way. You might be thinking, well, maybe if I can earn my way, or maybe if I do this, or maybe there's other religions. I'm just telling you, Jesus, who is God, who became man, who dwelt among us, who hung on a cross between heaven and hell as a blood sacrifice for you and for me. He said there's only one way. And so therefore I trust Him and I believe Him. And I'm just telling you that oftentimes we're, we're looking for something else. I had a young lady go through our membership class one day, our Connect class, and incredible young lady. And uh, she had been serving and helping. And she, uh, she went through the class and she came up to me that night. We were actually doing Fallapalooza that night. And she came up to me and she said, uh, uh, Pastor Mike, she said, uh, I, I just want to uh, just ask you. She said, you know, I don't really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. She goes, is that kind of a deal breaker? I said, at Journey Church, yes, it is. We believe there's only one way through the person of Jesus Christ. And she goes, well, I'm not fully there yet. And I said, I get that. She goes, do you care if I still come to Journey Church? And I said, I want you here. I want you under the teaching of God's Word. I said, I would love for you to be here. She goes, well, can I still help out in the cafe and stuff? I said, absolutely. I said, you can serve all you want to. And she said, okay, thank you. Well, about a year later, she came to me and she said, Pastor Mike, I wanted to tell you. She goes, you know, I was talking with a, a friend of mine at work. Whatever. She goes, but I prayed to receive Christ this week. I'm like, man, that's awesome. You know, and we went through this whole celebration right there that evening just talking about her salvation. But it took her a year under the teaching of God's Word. But she realized, you know what? All these other roads may have sounded good, but I realized there's one way to a right relationship with God the Father. And she put her faith in Christ. And so I said, hey, you know, the next step is going public with baptism. And she was like, I need to do a little study on that. So a year later, she was baptized. And I, I joked with her when I baptized her. said, hey, this young lady right here is a little slow on the uptake. You know, but hey, she's here today. And she's no longer at our church. She's moved on. But the thing is, is is she was willing to say, hey, listen, would you be willing to water that down or bring that down a little bit? And I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus didn't bring it down. I'm not bringing it down. And so we need to understand there is one way to be right with the Father. There's no other way. So how do I make much of Jesus on a daily basis? How do we, how do I, how do you, how do we make much of Jesus? We've already covered some of it, right? How do we make much of Jesus on a daily basis? I mean, it's easy sometimes to get in here. Everybody here is kind of on the same page. I mean, we can get in here and we can make much of Christ. But what about when we walk out these doors and we get in our car? We go to a restaurant or we go home or we go to work tomorrow or we go to school tomorrow. I mean, how do we make much of Christ? Now, I, want to, I want to give you some practical, I feel like some practical application for this. Some things that you can do. Number one, beginning today with worship. Worship's not just a few songs that you sing on Sunday morning. Worship is how you live. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that, right? It's how you live. So maybe you, you wake up every day, you begin every day with worship. 
So like this morning, I woke up 4.30, whatever it was, 4, 4.30, whatever it was. I can't remember what time it was. I try not to look at the clock so that hopefully I can go back to sleep sometimes. But that didn't happen. But when my, my eyes open up or whatever, it's hard for me to go back to sleep. So I'm, I'm sitting there. And so I begin to go, you know, God, I just want to thank you for a good night's rest. I want to thank you for where we live, for a bed to sleep. And I just start going through a, a thanks time, Thanksgiving, if you will. And I just start praying for today. Today's Sunday. And I just start going, you know, God, I want you to draw people in. People that maybe are driving by. They don't even know why, but they turn in to come back. Worship. Man, just worshiping. Memorizing Scripture. Hiding His Word in our heart. I've already said, John 1 says that He is the Word and He became flesh and dwelt among us. So the more that I memorize Scripture and I hide it in my heart, you know what I'm doing? The more I'm putting Jesus in here. And the more that my heart is filled with the Word of God and the power of God and Jesus, the more that it's going to overflow in my life. So how do I make much of Jesus? It's by worshiping Him. I worship Him from the day, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. And I'm constantly asking, you know, how do I, how do I point towards Christ and everything? And like I said, memorizing Scripture is making much of Jesus. We begin, I wish that, you know, all of us would have a, a hunger and desire to know God's Word. That as much as we want everything else, we would be like, you know, I, I need God's Word. I need to know it. I need to hear from Him today. Maybe I'm praying right now. I'm just praying God would put within you a hunger and desire for His Word. And the more that we hunger and desire His Word, the more we're going to hunger and desire Jesus. And the more that we're going to make much about Christ. Here's another one. Share Jesus with others. You know, how can we who have been redeemed, how can we who have been saved, how can we who have had our sins washed away, how can we who are in right standing with a, with a, a, a holy God not be willing to tell others how they can get there? Whenever we read Scripture and we see that Jesus talked more about hell than He did about heaven and that Jesus didn't want anybody to go there or to endure that, but yet we call, we're called to be His followers, to be His ambassadors and to follow His teaching. How can we not tell others about the Messiah, about Jesus. How can we not be like John where we point to Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and maybe you're here today and say, Mike, I want to do that, but I don't know how. You've heard enough from me today to know how. Just tell somebody about Jesus. Just tell them how He can save them. Tell them what He's done in your life. Be a testimony. Share your testimony. Tell your story. So we can share Jesus with others. Here's, a, here's another one. We talked about this through the, the battle of the mind. But take every thought captive. How do we how do we make much about Christ as we take all these lies, these demonic lies that we're hit with? Man, we take those things captive and we, we throw them at the foot of the cross. We throw them into the deepest devotions, whatever it takes. But we say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm not gonna think on these lies that the enemy's telling me. And I, I don't know about y'all, like I said, when I wake up, Satan is right there waiting to drop a lie. And that's why I choose to thank God. Instead of listening to the lies. When I wake up, I, I can tell he's ready to attack. And that's why I go into worship. And that's why I go into thanksgiving. And I begin to just pray, God, I want you to be glorified today. So take every thought captive. And here, how do you do that? So here's a couple of ways to do it. As soon as you wake up, prioritize God by giving thanks. Just like I said a while ago. 
So you know, begin your day. Begin your day giving thanks. Don't be passive with your thoughts. When negative, non-God-honoring thoughts enter in your mind, quickly combat them with the Word of God, with what God's Word says. Now, here's the thing. That means to be aggressive with it. Don't let it linger. Don't let it kind of spin around back there in the back. Don't kind of hold on to it. You know, uh, you've you got to be aggressive. Laurie says, I'm an aggressive driver. I don't know what that means. You know, I tell her I'm a defensive driver, you know. And uh, she goes, no, 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 you're aggressive. And so the thing is, is here's, here's what I do. I, I feel like, you know, like with this, it is aggressive. I'm taking that thought captive. I'm not going to let, let it hang around. I'm not going to let some viper or some snake get close to my kids. I'm going to deal with it quickly, right? And so what we should be doing is, hey, listen, I'm going to aggressively deal with this. I'm going to get rid of this thought. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it at the foot of the cross. Now, you might say, well, that's aggressive. But I would say, hey, that's also defensive, right? I'm defending my mind. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. And so don't be passive with those thoughts. Here's another. Give, give God your day. I had a friend of mine years ago when I worked up in Hueytown at a church. And he told me, he said, he had been very successful in, uh, in sales and stuff like that. And he said, and he, I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I wake up every morning, I spin around, I put my feet on the floor and say, hey, God, I give you this day. Wherever you guide my feet, where, whoever you want me to speak to, wherever you send me, today is yours. And he said, you know what? And God has taken care of me every step of the way. And you might be thinking, well, I want to be successful. Let me tell you, what was successful was he gave his, his day to God. And maybe for some of us, instead of waking up and, and, and being mopey and dopey or whatever, we say, you know what, God, I give you today. I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you my career. I give you my family. I give you my, my time. I give you my talents. I give you my treasures. God, I give you everything. So give, your God, give your, uh, God your day. Here's another one. Look to Jesus when, it, when the day doesn't go your way. You can shift your day at any point. Take every ne- negative thought captive. And so here's the thing. Anybody ever have a bad day? Yeah, a lot of everybody here has had a bad day, right? You have a day where you're sitting there and you're going like, and nothing is going right. It's like nothing is working out. And here's the thing. We have a choice. We can choose to focus on the negative, right? We can, we can focus on what didn't work out, and this didn't work out, and, and it be- becomes a snowball effect, and it's like it just gets worse and worse, right? Some of you guys are going, Mike, you know, I don't just have a bad day. I have a bad week. You know, it's like the whole week's that way. Or it's the whole month. A lot of people say, well, you know, I would say 2020 was, you know, a bad year, right? COVID. But this is what I would say. What about instead of focusing on what the enemy may be doing or what is not going our way, what if we focus on what is? You might say, well, you're trying to say, hey, focus on the last being half full instead of half empty. You can call it whatever you want to. But what if you go, you know what, God, I'm focusing on the blessings. I've got breath in my lungs. God, I'm, I'm focusing on what you are doing. God, I'm focusing on what is right, what is good. And so I'm just saying, in order to take every thought captive, we have to change the way we think. And we've already said this, you all, we all have a choice. We have a choice. So here's some next steps and we're done. A couple of next steps for me today. Maybe this is for you. Surrender my life to Jesus for salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You're still trying to earn your way in. You're still trying to earn salvation. Or maybe you're online, you're watching online. You're still trying to earn salvation. And you realize today, you know what? It's a gift. And it's a gift that's only received by faith. And maybe for some of you in the room, or maybe somebody watching online, maybe you realize, you know what? There's only one way. There's only one door. And that's Jesus. And so that maybe that's your decision. Here's another one. Choose to live a life that glorifies Christ in every way. See, that's a choice. Maybe today you go, you know what? Man, I, I've only been living for Jesus really maybe on Sunday morning during the worship service. But I want to live 
for Jesus. And I want to make much of Jesus from the time I wake up until I, I lay down in the bed. I want to point to Him. I want to point others to Him. I want to talk about Him. I want to talk to Him. I want to spend my day honoring Him, glorifying Him, and doing everything I can to make much about Jesus. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what God is dealing with you about, but you do and He does. There may be something that you need to come down and just put in the hands of Jesus today at the altar. You can do it where you're sitting, but there's something about marking that moment, taking that step. It's a sense of relief. It's a sense of release. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never been saved. Never been redeemed. Never been set apart. And maybe today is the day of salvation for you. You may be here in the room and you're like, Mike, man, I, I, want, I want Jesus. I understand today this by faith and He's the only way. And today I choose to surrender my life to Him. I made that decision when I was 19. I've never regretted it. It's the greatest decision of my life. It changed everything. So maybe for you, that's you. That you're going, Mike, that's me. And so what did, I, what did I do? Let me walk you through that prayer. I just said, Jesus, I come to you and I'm a sinner. And I have blown it. And I am broken. And I am in need of a Savior. And so, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you save me? Will you change me? I don't, want to keep, I don't want to keep living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. So I confessed my sins. I repented of my sins. And I trusted Him with all the faith that I have. That's all it takes. He made it that simple. If that's your prayer today, man, we'd love to know. Maybe you're here in the room and you just ask Christ to come and live within you. You confessed your sins to Him. You, you said, hey, I want to repent. I want to quit living the way I've been living. And I trust you. If, you. if you prayed that prayer, if you would just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Raise it high enough where I can see it. I just want to pray for you. Anybody. There may be people online. Maybe if you did, hey, text us. Let us know. Somehow indicate it. Let us know so we can follow. We want to celebrate with you. And we want to see you go through the waters of baptism, go public, and let everybody know, make much, making much about Jesus. There's nothing to be ashamed about. We'll only celebrate. We're going to have an opportunity to respond. And may, there may be some of you in this room who just need to leave something in the hands of Jesus, the nail-scarred hands. Our worship team is going to lead us through a song. I want to encourage you just to do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And just trust Him. Just trust Him. I want to ask everybody to stand. Father, just work in us, move in us. God, show us the next step. And God, I pray there's people in this room that will literally give you their life. In Jesus' name.